Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. I know it's just Scott talking all the time, but what would you say? And I was reminded of uh, one thing that she has shared about the topic of marriage that has never left me since, is that when we talk about the issue of submission, it's a very challenging for a lot of women. And, and women struggle with, like, how much can I lean on my husband? How much can I trust my husband? These, these things are really tough. And, and this, um, the command to submit is difficult. And she had said one time, say, you know, she, she has said her personal struggles and challenges, saying, you know, I'm not just submitting to Scott. I'm submitting to Jesus that is in Scott. So her submission is primarily to Jesus. And, and, and that's the act of faith that she has to exercise every single time that she sees a person of me, which is full of flaws, imperfection, cray-cray, you know. And so she's reminded that I'm submitting to the person of Jesus that's in Scott. Now then, for us men, we want more of Jesus to be present and evident in our own lives. And, and the level of submission from our wives to us husbands, I believe it's directly related and parallel to our submission to Jesus Christ. In the life of faith, in the life of devotion of prayer and our commitment to the Lord, that directly translates to our wives and women's ability and their joy of submitting to the husbands. Does that make sense? Was that okay, honey? I mean, you approve? Fear of God and fear of wife. Those, are, those two things are very good things. All right, so it's a continuous road of uh, learning and being humble, being open, and willing to learn. I think it's so important, and I love that. I, I hope that we, are, we have uh, uh, inve- uh, just kind of grown the culture of that. We want to be able to talk candidly about marriage. We want the husbands to come together and talk about, hey, how can we grow? We want the wives to talk about not just badmouth the husbands. You know, We want to come together and say, hey, what are, what are we doing? What are we not doing? What can we do? Um, to take greater partnership uh, to better our marriage. So it's, it, it's very humbling, but, you know, it, it's so important because I believe healthy families beget healthy church, that we can't, the church is not the first place that we minister. No, it's our home as sons and daughters, as husbands and wives and fathers and mothers, that we, we are constantly getting our practices in. And when we lead the church together, then it's a reminder what we are already doing. So it's this idea of concentric leadership. Remember, it begins with our relationship with God. Now we begin to slowly increase the spheres of our influence. So we're going to stay on that topic even again today. Today, we're going to keep at it. We're going to focus today, though, specifically on those that are not married. Those, or those that are not yet married or those who have been married or not married anymore. So we want to talk about uh, focusing on the singles and discovering the meaning and the unique purpose of what it means to be single. And I, I, really, I think it, it, it's, it's not emphasized enough. There's a unique blessedness that God has ordained for those that are not married. 
all right? And for you singles, so make every effort today, as you're listening to today's message, make every effort to, to set a godly and holy standard of the person that God has called you to be. And to be able to discover wholeness, to be able to discover satisfaction that is found uniquely in the presence of Christ. And the goal is to discover and become the person that he has called you to be and become the spouse already that you are looking for in uh, the potential mate or, or, your, or your marriage partner, okay? Marriage is not about finding the right person, but we know that it's about becoming the right person. Now, that's if you're single. If you're married, the, the calling and the unique blessedness of being single, it doesn't end when you become married. How many of you guys know it's actually a continuation of that blessedness, your pursuit and your singular focus and devotion unto the uh, intimacy with Christ? That actually should continue even as a married person. So I hope that you're not being dismissive. I hope you don't, like, you know, tune me out for the next 30 minutes because, you know what, I, I'm, I've been there, I was single, and I'm, I'm married. I'm good. I don't need to listen to none of this. If that's you... This is especially for you. Okay, so, so let's, let's perk up our ears and, and be reminded of this unique call, what the Bible has to say regarding this passage. All right, amen? So meet me in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And we're going to lean into the letter of Apostle Paul that he has written to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 32 to 35. And today I'm reading from the NIV New International Version, and if you have a different version, you're more than welcome to follow along with whatever you feel comfortable, but the verses that are projected in the front is from the NIV, and this is a reading of God's Word. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord, but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Church, would you read the last verse, verse 35, with me together in one voice? Ready? I am saying this for your own good. You may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you. God, we come and, and God, we, we inquire about how we can uh, find true meaning. In, in our marital status, God, whether we are single, whether we are married, whether we, are, uh, uh, we had been married and we're lo looking for and questioning and inquiring about what's to come, Lord, God, we just again position ourselves. Holy Spirit, would you allow us to just glean from what Apostle Paul has to say and God, allow us to discover the beauty and the power of singlehood, Lord. Thank you, God, and we pray for faith to cling to you, God, with all that we have. In Jesus' name, we, ha uh, we pray. Amen. I believe we are made for union. I believe as people of God, I believe as human beings in the, in the, the design and the creation of the mankind, 
I believe that we have been created for, first of all, out of the intimacy of the triune God, and because we're the product of intimacy among the Godhead, I believe that we are also created for intimacy. And as we are being led into this journey of being intimate with God, and we have this unique opportunity to experience uh, a, a such strong intimacy in the context of human relationship, and in the most traditional sense, that is epitomized by this uh, idea and the notion and experience of marriage. And I believe that human, uh, the humans, uh, all of us, have been called into this deep union. And, and, but if we aren't careful, uh, our fallen potential will be that we, out of this, we operate out of this need to fill the void that we have. And if we're not careful, we go out and, and, and out of our selfishness and our singular focus that we go out and potentially cannibal, cannibalize the other person in the context of our relationship because we become so enamored by how do I fill the need that I have? How do I fill the void that I have in my own life? You guys know the movie Beauty and the Beast? I know all of my movie references are old. That, that's a disclaimer. But if you haven't seen the original, the animation, you sh certainly should have seen the, the human life version, which Emma, Emma Smith. Emma Watson. Emma Watson. She started in a couple of years ago. I know. I, I like the animated version. Anyway, so if you look at that movie, right, what is it about? The story is essentially is about a, uh, the story about a prince who has no love left in his heart. And, and as a result, the way he views his life, the way he views the, the world is completely distorted. And the castle that he has been living in is occupied by inanimate objects. Lumiere is a candlestick. Uh, Cogsworth is the clock. Uh, I forget the name of the, the teapot lady. Mrs. Potts. Mrs. Potts. Mrs. Potts. So it's not until the end of the story when he has a turnaround in his perspective and a life-changing. It's only when he had experienced love given and demonstrated fully by an awesome woman, Belle. By the way, she's the best princess in Disney history. No hands down. Fight me. Change my mind. Anyway, that's a different story. So... It's not until the end where he has fully experienced true love. And finally, love has occupied his heart. Now we realize that Cogsworth is not a clock. He's a man. We realize that Lumiere is, it, it, it can, is not candlestick, but it's also a boy. Like, you, you see, all of these things realize when true love has entered, but if the true love is not really in there, it's really easy for us, most of our prone to approach relationship, filling the void that we have. And we become so in, in, um, um, immersed in that world in that we, if we're not careful, if there's no mature, in lo mature love in us, we defraud others. We transgress others. We end up cannibalizing others in the context of relationship. So first thing that I want to say for all you single people is that we date not out of our need. Rather, we should date out of the fullness of the love that we have in us. It's important that there should be enough, enough evident in the intimacy tank 
And, and I, of course, uh, all of my views, all of my uh, um, encouragement and exhortation on the pulpit is Christ-filled love. If we don't have enough intimacy with Christ evident in our hearts, it's so easy for us to go out and we go out and look for who's going to fill the void in my heart. So we date out of need. When we date out of need, it's so easy for us to objectify people. Does that make sense? And we have long bought into this idea, this false notion of Hollywood where, I know you guys are, some of you guys will get it. Remember Jerry Maguire, there's one line saying, you know, that lovey-dovey moment with the actress and the actress like, hey, you complete me. And, and that line, that singular line dominated the 90s and the good portion of the 2000s as well. So we go out. You know what we're doing is that we go out, man, who's, who's my better, who's my half? Who's out there to complete me? And so we focus less about, man, there's a need in us. We are incomplete beings. And we go out and guess what? We're doing the same thing. Who's going to fill my need? So... The danger in that is what? We go out, if we're focused on, we're content with meeting just a better half. And we're not committed to becoming the whole person. Well, this is where the pastor, I'm going to sound like a traditional pastor, is like, well, God has called you to be a completely satisfied person. Our goal as people of God is to be completely satisfied in the presence of intimacy with Christ. Our goal is to experience the fullness of God. And when we find the satisfaction and we're like, oh, this is what it means to be loved. This is what it means to experience true intimacy. As we experience God, that out of the wholeness, with little brokenness, we go out. You know what? Then only when we have been modeled of true love, we go out and we become one with another person that are committed to the same journey, that that person, whether you're a man or woman, that person is also fully satisfied and complete in the love of Christ in that person's life. Are you with me? So half and half. How many of you guys know marriage relationship or intimate relationship is not, a, is not an addition? It's multiplication. You're constantly coming together. The Bible says, the last time I read, it say, hey, man, be fruitful and add by one at a time. Be fruitful and multiply, right? I mean, I know, that's I'm using. It's multiplication. So if you're half, if you go out and meet another person, you know that relationship, it's crazy. Everything exists, everything is, uh, what is it, amplified in the context of marriage. So... It's not half-half. You're not dealing with the additions and subtraction. You're dealing with multiplication. So now, if you're a half, the other person is incomplete half, what do you get when you one-half times one-half? I'm sorry to, like, hurt your brains this morning. Do math. One-half times one-half is what? One quarter. Very little confidence in that. You're right. One quarter. So when you do this, you actually end up Less than what you began with. This is why relationship, leading in relationship outside the love of Christ, outside the presence of God and leading is so difficult. Because if two people, un, like less than a whole, you come together, then when the things go south, when the feelings dissipate, then you end up with a lesser product than when you began with. 
Are you with me here? And that will be a nightmare. So your priority as a single person is to fall deeper into intimacy with Christ, allowing Christ to make you whole. Allowing him to model you for you so that one day you will be able to properly lead the relationship that you will be in. Whether that be dating relationship, marital relationship, you understand now this is always the priority. And we'll get to the married couples later too. Like Now you understand why this journey of pursuing God wholeheartedly does not end the moment you get married. When your marriage wheels fall off and you you begin to experience troubles, guess what? You will have enough experience that you lean back onto this journey. You remember that, man, I remember I married this person because we were intimately led by God. And you forget your life as a single person before you got married. Were you not satisfied with God? Was Jesus not your first boyfriend? I mean, it sounds corny. Was Jesus not your first love? A lot of you men, too. Was Jesus not enough for you? You know, like, I know, I'm older. Like, you guys have all the years that you have known me. I've always been married. But you do not understand that the Scott, as a single Scott, existed. The single Scott, for years, he was mopey. He was angry, frustrated. He was fearful. Like, I'm going to... You know, I, I lived a good portion of my 20s thinking I'm, I might not get married. In those moments, guess what? I had no choice. I mean, I was not single by my choice. It was by the choice of whoever the ladies were. You know, I mean, that, that was real. So in those moments, guess what? As a single person, how do I find satisfaction? How do I find meaning? How do I find wholeness in my life? Then I had, even as a young person, I had entertained the possibility and the feasibility of I may never get married. Then does that mean that I may never be happy? Is every person created by God destined for marriage? I know some of you singles may be thinking that. Maybe in the darkest moments of your life, you may wonder, while you're fully satisfied as a single person, you may wonder, what if I never get married? What if that means that I may never be fully happy? And I turn your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul gives us an exhortation. It's a powerful one. And he uses married men, married women as an example. Hey, You have something that married people do not have access to. This is an opportunity of a lifetime that you get to pursue Jesus in a whole way. You have the time now. You have the resources. And your priority, your primary responsibility now is to fall deeper in love with Christ. Verse 35, I'm saying this for your own good. Not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way, undivided devotion to the Lord. And I love that. And, and, and now, for me to hang out with younger people, when I, for me to hang out with singles, that's a rare treat. I have to try really hard to hang out with single people. I look around this congregation, I don't, like, I have to, yeah, there are not too many. And I forget that. There's such power 
And, and you know, a few, until a few years ago, before COVID, I used to get invited to minister in the Bay Area every single year. And this church was right on the campus, college campus. And I, and I loved going there because, first of all, like, there's just a unique, unique energy that young people have. There's this supernatural power that they have to stay beyond 10 p.m. And they can sustain the energy all throughout the day. And, and they're like, again, super, they don't need good food. You just feed them pizza and like a lot of chips. They're so happy. And for them, and, and this particular ch- uh, church that I was ministering at, and, and they flew me, uh, the retreat that I was ministering at was from Friday to Sunday. But they flew me in one time Thursday night. I was kind of bothered by that. I was like, dude, man, I'll just see you on Friday. Why are you making me come early? But the pastor invited me, so he picked me up from the airport. He said, you know, Scott, I want to show you something. And he took me directly to one of the small um, apartment rooms and they were having. I said, hey, this is, we have this every night. We have this every night. And they were having a, a night of prayer and praise. A simple guitar. There was like maybe like seven, eight people. And, and, but they were, like, worshiping, praying. And I remember, like, and, like, 20 minutes in, guess what I was thinking? Man, just take me back to the, just take me to the hotel. Like, let me rest, right? But at the same time, I was still so challenged because while I was observing this short prayer meeting, nothing fancy, but the college students are so hungry. They were praying. They were interceding for their church. They were praying for the city. They were worshiping God. And in that brief moment, I was reminded of, yes, Scott, you were once that young. You're once that college person that had no greater agenda. You would rather hang out at church. You would rather spend time with church people. You would rather spend your time praying and and worshiping the Lord. And I was, and, and, and so what I was seeing, I was reminded of, yeah, yes, that's it. And all of a sudden, as a married person, as an older person, I forgot about that journey. I forgot that Christ, once, once in my lifetime, Christ was sufficient. Even in the brokenness of my singleness, Christ became enough for me. And I look back and said, as a married person, do I long for Jesus as I had once longed for him? Out of the need or the lack of romantic relationship in my life? I remember saying, God, are you enough? Jesus Christ, are you really enough for me? And I want to just remind all of you, whether you're a single or married person, that there's beauty and complete satisfaction in your absolute pursuit of intimacy with Christ. And if that is not simultaneously important in your marriage, I guarantee you, you're not as happy and satisfied in the marriage that you are in. Because you and I, first and foremost, have been created out of intimacy and for intimacy with God. I'm not angry. I just really believe this is important. So singlehood should be marked by the freedom to run to Christ whenever and however, in every possible way. I'm a married person, 
And sometimes I get annoyed by myself, by the excuses that I have. Oh, I got to take care of my kids. I got to do this. I got to run errands by this. In the end, when the lights go off and it's just me and the Lord, and I have nothing but to say, these are all excuses of not prioritizing Jesus as the most important thing in my life. I'm not saying, like, I'm going to live a single life. I can't. But I know that I am reminded of the importance of the journey of pursuing Jesus wholeheartedly. So I'm going to talk about dating a little bit. So dating is this intermediary process where you move towards marriage. But that is not a, a present reality for you just yet. So this dating relationships, this dating phase, it's not just about expressing yourself. You're not using uh, the opposite sex to work out your kinks. It's not to better yourself. It should be a time of self-discovery. You're not looking to take from the other person. You shouldn't be looking to define by the man or the woman that you're in a relationship with. But you can operate, but you're operating on the security in your personhood that is in Christ because you are committed to experience the love of God in your own life. And I want to say, like, you should be active in dating. There's not, it's not wrong to be dating, okay? I think there was a season in my life where this popular book, uh, I Kissed Dating Goodbye by Joshua Harris, like this, this became like the second Bible for all the youth pastors because I think all the youth pastors are freaking out. It's like their high school kids, junior high kids were dating around, like sleeping around, all these things. So they became, I became the Bible and said, no dating. And I was part of a, I was a, I think of the high school pastor when I was in ministry, he was like, if you're dating, you have to talk to me. I have to basically, and he said, you have to talk to me. And his main job was to break them up. Because he believed that no teenagers were um, mature enough, so it's like forbidden. And I didn't really jive with that, and, but I was not a, in a place. So I'm not of that camp where I think you should date. I, I think more people should be dating. I think more, should be, more people should be experiencing uh, relationships. Um, you know, um, I have a slightly different view on dating because I don't think people, uh, people think dating is a problem. It's not the dating. It's not the, the phase that's the problem. It's the people that are the problem. You guys with me? You, you know, car accidents happen. It's not the cars, like 99%. It's not the cars. It's the people who are driving the cars. That's the problem, right? So I've seen bad marriages, unhealthy marriages. Guess what? Marriages... It's not, that's not the problem. The institution of marriage is not the problem. It's the people that are not yet properly ready, trained, equipped. We end up hurting each other. So I'm just saying, marriage don't kill people. It's the people who don't know how to do marriage, they kill each other, figuratively speaking. So we go out, so we are reminded again Dating, you should feel free to explore, but do it in a healthy way. Do it in a godly way and God-honoring way in every way possible. It's an opportunity to learn about yourself. Uh, it's an opportunity to work through the issues that you have and to learn and grow from it. And also it's an opportunity to build relational skills as you are exploring in this dating uh, stage, dating phase of your life. All right? So 
you know, um, I also want to say, like, when you're dating, you should be clear in what you are looking for in the other person. I'm not saying you should have a checklist. I, I don't believe in that. Maybe because I, I, I never feel like if that was ever the reality, then I would never have married. But I think you shouldn't have a list, but you shouldn't have a list. Does that mean, like, is that demeaning my wife? Her standards are, I'm not saying that. You married well, honey. <laughs> but I think, you, I think most of you guys should agree that you should clearly know what is important to you. I remember that list became very short for me. I was like, you know what? These are the non-compromising. These things, these things are essential. I think if you're single, you should understand what your essentials are and looking for your potential uh, marriage partner. Does that make sense? And you can't, let me just break the news. No one in this world will have everything. Some of you ladies, single ladies, if you're here, I don't, you know. No guy will have everything that you're looking for. Doesn't exist, all right? No guy. Let me compare, let me give you an example of a fruit, okay? You might say, like, I love the crunchiness of apples. But I loved, I, but when you bite into it, I also love the texture of the interior texture of a mango. But you know what? I love the mysterious, the fuzziness of kiwi as well. Guess what? There's no such fruit. It doesn't exist. Okay? You can't say, man, I want a man who can, man, recite poetry. I want a romantic guy who could just write freely on a whim and just woo me with words. But I also want a strong man that when I'm ever in trouble, he will beat up everybody. But I also want a man that is so in tune with God, those senses that minister to me, that will just pray over me. He will lead me straight to Christ. And I won't even know it. But I also want a man that is smart, that is competent in the workplace, but is also full of wisdom. Guess what? That man doesn't exist. Are you with me? For you men as well, you can't have a strong, independent woman say, man, I want my woman to be so competent. Say, but, you, I, but I always, I only want gentleness in my marriage relationship. I'm telling you, it doesn't exist. So quit making, putting things more on your list, adding on to that list. Rather, rather than growing list, I think the practical wisdom is shorten it. What really matters to you? What did I say a couple of weeks ago? More important than falling in love is what? Growing in love. And you do not grow in love because you discover more wonderful things in the other person. You only grow when you discover, man, I didn't know about that. You, right? you, when you discover flaw, imperfection, ugliness, and you learn to cover each other with the grace and love of Christ, then that grows the love that you have. Marriage or healthy relationship is not a celebration of discovery of wonderful things. It's finding imperfection 
discovering and growing in the perfection that is, Christ, that is in Christ Jesus. Are you with me? You're not with me, so that's, that's discouraging. I'm going to spend the next about 10 minutes or so and quickly going over uh, the full cycle of dating, full cycle of singlehood, okay? And I feel the need to address, I know most of you guys are like married, but um, I think, again, I'm going to tie this back to how this may be pertinent. I think if you're single, I think we, I want to begin with the stage called waiting. This is a waiting period where, you, where you're single, uh, you don't have anybody, uh, you know, you, you know, you're just kind of wondering what's happening. And this is a part where you're, again, intimate with the Lord. Now you're just finding and discovering beauty and intimacy with Christ, and you don't know what's happening. But, I, but that's where you are, right? So if you're a lady, and I noticed that I, I put uh, God at the top, you and the other person. So understand the practical idea that you could picture this is that you're running towards Jesus. Your primary concern is what? Being one with God. And guess what? And you want to make sure you want to find the other person who has the same interest and outlook on life. That person's priority is also God. Then what? Then you, you are essentially meeting in the presence of the love of Christ. That, that, the triangle explains that, right? If you're a lady, what does this mean? You're dancing with the Lord. You're dancing with Jesus. I know it sounds corny, but you're dancing with Jesus. You're learning his heartbeat. You're learning the ways of intimacy. You're learning what, how a man should treat you as your value daughter of God. So you're learning. You're, you're finding rhythm. Can you see me dancing like this? And Jesus is doing this, and you're like, oh, Jesus, that feels good. Oh, that's so gentle. But you're so, oh, nice. You're learning. You're learning. So you're fully satisfied. Now, if you're a guy, what does that, what does that mean? If you're the guy looking in, oh, you're an outsider first. You want to discover a woman who's dancing with Jesus. I hope that matters to you. I hope godliness in a woman matters to you. So you want to discover, oh, oh my gosh. Godliness better be one of the traits that you're looking for. Okay? You're like, like, now you're like peeping around, oh my gosh, she loves Jesus. There's intimacy. You're awed not by the outer beauty, but you're awed by what? Spiritual beauty, dancing. What are you, what's your goal then, dancing? When you saw your wife, your goal was what? Ashley was dancing with Jesus. What, what did you want to do? Jesus, I got to be in that picture. So if you're the guy, your goal is to what? To cut in. Your goal is to snatch your woman's and bring her closer to you because you want to be the one dancing. Are you getting this, Right? Now, Jesus, who's dancing with the daughter, his beloved, at the most opportune time, he will let the perfect man cut in. By that time, so the man is operating out of the full endorsement already by the Heavenly Father. And there's an affirmation, and the man is gentle, the man is patient, he's not coercing, he's not manipulative, he's not forcing his, hey man, come on. You're not stalking. I've done all those things. <laughs> but only when at the right time, there's an endorsement of the Father that comes. And I want all of you guys to know the importance of that. A lot of times we do too much on our own. And you don't want to move that way. 
It's not a bad thing that your woman sees Christ, God, shadowing behind the man. That's actually a good thing. And so you, when you're a single man, just lurk around. It's okay. And you're praying, say, God, give me a chance. I'm ready to go. And, say, hey, and he will say, hey, man, fool, you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. I don't know who I'm looking at. <laughs> don't dance it. You need to learn a couple more moves. I can say, can I say this? Say, Sasha, you don't have enough moves, man. You, you can't do that when you're dancing. She's not going to like you. So he will say, just wait, just wait, not yet. Then that's the timing. Do you see that? In your singlehood, you're going to go through the season of waiting to think of that as a dancing with God. Second stage is the discerning and the initiating process. Someone's going to catch your eye. And you're going to lose sleep. You're going to stalk Instagram, social media, TikTok. I'm like, oh, my God, did, did he do this? Man, you. He's that guy. We all did it. We all did it, okay? I did it through Friendster. I did it, you know, uh, Zenga. Zenga was, oh, man, Zenga was a great way to find about that person's interest, what, he's, what she's thinking about. I did all that. Um, so you're discerning now, initiating. I, I want to talk about this element of conviction and convenience. I want to say, learn to move out of conviction. Have certain level of clarity and confidence that's not just from your feelings. I want to encourage you guys to pray more uh, concerning the potential mate that you are entering into that you are courting. Okay? So don't do it out of convenience, but move with certain level of conviction. Again, you don't have to know it all. You don't have to be able to pro provide five, ten-year plan. You don't have to say, hey, I want to marry you. That's, you she's going to be weirded out. You're going to scare her. Don't do that. So, but convey and move forth with enough confidence to be led into the next phase of your thing. So be prayerful and agree upon the way of their journey. Here's what I mean. Talk about the pace and the progression of the relationship that you're in, dating relationship. And I think it's important to talk about, hey, are we good? What are we expecting? How fast do we want to move? What are your expectations? Are we good? So constantly check and engage the temperature of the relationship. Third, I'm going to move on a little bit faster here. Now, you're growing in your relationship. While you're not married, you're practicing the, the discipline and the act of how do we nurture the love that we have? How do we move out of the feelings that we have? And I put the second triangle here, feelings, commitment, discipline. I believe happy marriage, happy relationship embodies these three very important components. At any, diff any given time, one may take the lead while the other two take, back, take a back seat. At any different point of your relationship, sometimes it will be the feelings. Usually for us, you don't need no commitment because you're head over heels. Because he's the most handsome person. He's the most charming person. She's the dream. She's your dream girl. So sometimes feelings dominate. But there will also come a time, especially in marriage, you wake up like, man, you're not, you're not that amazed by the man that you're next to. Well, she's no longer like the, the, the epitome of beauty that you once thought she was. Guess what? Then you wake up, then you put forth commitment. How does commitment stay in place? Only through what? Discipline. Discipline means, you know that discipline word is never associated with things that we love to do. 
Discipline is often associated with the things that we can't do or we don't like to do, but the things that we have to do. So marriage, healthy, godly relationship, embodies all three components. And when you're dating, you're practicing these things. Notice that without the help of God, you can't do it. If it's just human will, you cannot do it. I go back to what I said last week, power of the Holy Spirit. Then are you submitted to the leadership and the leading of Jesus Christ? Growing, okay? Men, I want to say this is just a side note. This is extra bonus for you, okay? Learn to be a spiritual leader. When I talk to women in the church, when I talk to women in the larger community of faith, the number one thing, the number one wish that they had is what? I wish my husband, I wish my man took greater authority in the spiritual life. Most, if not all, women are waiting for their men to be the spiritual leader in the house. That means they're waiting for you to initiate time of prayer. They're waiting for you to initiate, let's spend more time in the church. They're looking for the spiritual leaders. Men, that's on you. Right? Again, I'm not angry. I just really believe in this. Fourth element when you're dating I want to talk about is, I want to say preserving. Dating is a prelude to marriage, but it is not marriage. I want to highlight the importance of matching three speeds. Three speeds of your physicality, emotionality, or is that a word? And spirituality. I just, emotion, emotion, emotionality, emotionality, physicality, emotionality, spirituality. Match the speeds of all three things. And, and, and I'll talk about um, the importance, uh, we'll, we'll talk about sex uh, next week. Theology of sex and infidelity and the importance of preservation, all of that more in detail next week. But I want to say you should really honor each other physically. And I know, you guys are thinking, man, I'm adult, whatever, I'm whatever, but I just want to say what we do with our bodies 100% affect our emotions and our spirituality. And if you so desire and pray for a godly relationship and godly marriage, Learn to practice honoring each other physically when you are in a dating relationship. I used to do this talk when I talked to um, college students. I said, don't get cute. Don't have like massage time. Don't have like, oh, let's, let's do pillow fight. Because those things don't, they, they lead to only one thing. Like, hey, let's watch a movie in the car like in the empty parking lot and let notice no one. Don't do that. <laughs> those things lead to only one thing. Okay, so hands off, pants on. Okay, don't mix those two things up. When you mix the on and off, if you switch the order around, that's when we get in trouble. And I want to really implore you guys to encourage you guys to honor your bodies because that's also what honoring the Lord. That's what also trusting the Lord. That's also discovering the meaning of true, true meaning of marriage in the most opportune and perfect time. And we will discuss the implications of why that is important later on next week. Okay? The end we seek 
is a marriage relationship filled with companionship, commitment, passion, and spiritual intimacy. But again, properly control the speed of where you are leading this relationship. I understand, in spite of our, all of our efforts and our desires, not all dating relationship ends up in a marriage, right? I know that some in our rooftop family, they're the unicorns. They marry their first sweetheart. Um, that's incredibly rare. And, and I, I, so I want to just say this frankly. I don't think that is the goal. I think it's tremendous pressure. That's a too great of a pressure for us to live. Like, we have to marry the first person. That, 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 that's why I grew up in a, like, culture or, or an era. That's why, I was a, that's why a, dating was so hard for me. Because I always walked in with this pressure, like, I have to marry this woman. So, like, by day three or four, like, I'm already, like, projecting and then no wonder I was like so miserable and confused in all of my dating relationship. And, and I just want to say like the reality of your dating relationship not leading to marriage, I want all of you guys healthily embrace that reality. So long as you're honoring God at every step of your dating relationship, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And I don't think it should serve as a, oh, that's a downgrade. Oh, you have had three relationships you don't, I don't, personally, I don't believe that's a downgrade on you. I don't, I'm not even going to say, okay, maybe if they're like 20, I, okay, that's difficult to, again, I struggle because maybe some of you in this room like, Scott, I'm like 25 right now, 30. I, again, maybe there is a number, maybe there's a threshold, but I, but I personally believe that as long as you approach every relationship in this humility, God-centered relationship, I don't think it matters because you're growing and learning. And I want to say leaving is a vital component of your pursuit of this relationship. Um, so embrace that. But I want you to be fully aware of its uh, effects and implications. Sometimes guilt will trouble you. Sometimes shame will trouble you. Sometimes hurt will impair you from moving forward. But I want you guys to embrace that this is also part of journey. This is when Jesus comes back in and say, hey, you know what? You tried. I know. I was there with you. But man, you certainly screwed up there. Let's make sure that you don't do that again. So I'm going to walk with you. Stay close to me. You're broken. You're wounded. You could barely walk. Here, be close to me. And he's going to take you this time of um, being healed up. And let me share some of the, the quotes about breakups. And I want you guys to kind of see how, if you could empathize or relate to these things. A breakup is like a broken mirror. It is better to leave it broken than hurt yourself trying to fix it. Wow, nothing there. Don't cling to a mistake just because you spent a long time making it. Don't let someone who isn't worth your love make you forget how much you are worth. Definition of X. Thanks for the experience. Our time has expired. Now, X is in my life. Pretty harsh, but I think it's pretty firm. Like, you know what? Just let it go. It's okay. Move on. Okay? 
I have neither the time nor the crayons to explain this to you. I am sure that a woman wrote that. <laughs> I don't know. I just know that a woman wrote it. I need to be like Elsa and let you go. <laughs> I think all of this to say, I'm of the one. Um, I don't think breaking up, getting back together is necessarily the healthiest model of um, proper relationship. And I, I say this from full disclosure that I was that guy. I was the runner. I did not know how to solve. So even in my relationship, I think we resorted to, like, then let's call it an end. And then we come, like, a month later, two weeks later, and say, hey, so what are you doing? I think we kind of had the unhealth in our own relationship. And I, I want to strongly encourage, I don't think that's the best model. So... Allowing Jesus to lead you in those moments where uncertainty and even great pain and, and, and really be prayerful in that and, and not to hurt ourselves more greatly while we ourselves try to restore and fix things that have already been broken. So again, what happened, but, but Scott, well, you did it, whatever, like that's, we'll, we'll have the time to explain to you and share our own experiences, but I don't know if that's necessarily the template. Does this make sense? So, breakup symptoms, I, I'm quickly flash that breakup symptoms. If, if you're seeing these symptoms in your own relationship, these are early indicators of like, you know what, maybe you should consider leaving. So again, um, embrace the fact that not every dating relationship should lead to marriage. Okay, and, and that's it. And now, what's the full cycle now? Now you pursue, you grow, you discern, you break up. Then what is it? Then you go back to what? Number one, you're waiting. You're dancing with God. If you're a woman, you're running back to Jesus. Say, Jesus, he messed me up. He did this. Then you allow Jesus to heal you. If you're a guy, you run to Jesus. You, Jesus, I messed up. Then you dance with him. And how do you learn? By imitating, allowing Christ to fully shine his light of love upon you, allowing you to be groomed and be readied. Marriage is a tall task, guys. No one in this world should think that they can do it without the empowerment and the leading of God. If you're single, let me end with this, that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. May you discover the beauty of the freedom that you have of prioritizing intimacy with Jesus. And for all you married folks, if there is more to be had, if you're, for whatever reasons, longing for more satisfaction, I wonder if we have perhaps spent too much time and not enough inviting Christ in our midst, not pursuing Jesus with the vigor and the tenacity that we once did when we were single. I hope 
that God leads you to a season of desperation and even loneliness, being reminded that he alone can satisfy. If you're a man, in my mind, I, yes, I'm assuming, but I think if, okay, if I'm a man, if I'm a woman, and I'm seeing my man hungering after God, he's like, man, being lost in worship, I don't know. As a man, I think that does something to our women. I think that does something to our ladies. Vice versa. Is this making sense? Let me get the worship team to come on up. I know. Today was a lot of just practical stuff. A lot of like I even share my personal like process of these things. But in the end, I really do believe that we need more of Jesus. I love the last song we sang. I forget. What was it? Jesus. Jesus at the center. That's it. More of Jesus. More of Jesus. Let's pray. God, Paul talks about the freedom, the blessedness that we have where our primary focus and responsibility is you. Whether married or not, today, woo us to this journey of undivided devotion unto you, God. And we come with real pains real needs of the brokenness of our relationships. And God, we confess that we are not smart enough. We are not good enough. So help us, God. Holy Spirit, teach us. And may we be renewed in the hope that is found only in Jesus. Spirit, walk with us in every moment of our lives. God, we love you. Jesus, we love you. We pray that you continue to be with us throughout the remainder of this worship.